0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Tripper here on 89.1 WXVU Villanova Radio. We are shooting again from home as we are home for the rest of the semester. I am joined by Conrad Bayer and Jack Sherwood. Boys, how are we doing?
1: Good. good.
0: We are live right now on Instagram Live, round underscore tripper 23. Conrad holding down the live stream as always. Hey, Conrad. How's the live stream looking over there?
2: It's looking good. We've had an influx. We got Nick did join,
0: but now it's back down to just Katie. Oh, so yeah. Nick, Oh, wow. Wow. Now I'm going to bring that up to Nick in, in Econ. Um,
2: I was here for about a minute. So that's
0: good. That breaks my heart. Um, I, I did not start the intro as I usually do. It is Thursday, March 26th. It's because the Thursday part really threw me off. <laughs> I used to do it yeah. <laughs> doing Mondays. But I don't know. I feel like Thursdays kind of work for us, and it's nice to be able to get it up. Uh, right before the weekend as well yeah but we'll kind of stick with that flexible schedule especially as things come up especially the nfl draft
1: i think we can definitely do one nfl draft like a tuesday wednesday and then definitely do a wrap up one on monday or Tuesday. you know maybe do one just for kicks and giggles back on monday
0: i think that works Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, especially once the draft comes, we'll have real live sports to talk about again. Um, Because the theme of this show is going to be Villanova basketball, a season in review. So looking back at everything from the 2019-2020 season, an exciting year for the Wildcats, a building year for the Wildcats that was unfortunately cut short here in the Big East tournament. Um, Do you guys want to get straight to the the month-by-month, or is there anything you want to start out with? I
1: think month-by-month, I like that idea.
0: All right, so how we're basically going to start this is that we are basically just going to go through every month and kind of just point out some games that really stuck out to us throughout the season. We've got some awards to get through after that, such as MVP, Most Improved, Story of the Season, etc. got some NBA news to go towards, as well as the future um, of this program. So that kind of lays out how we're going to move forward throughout this show uh, as we continue to look for ideas without sports to be able to host a sports talk show. So, but thank you for everyone for listening to the show last week. We had a lot of fun being back on the air and doing NFL for agency. We'll keep up with any sports news that does come out, but we feel like this is a nice way to kind of wrap up the Villanova season and what was a really fun year. But all right, so we will start with it in November. I've got all those games laid out there, which ones or which one. Whichever way you want to look at that stood out to you. So the November games, games against Army Ohio State, Ohio, Middle Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Baylor.
1: I would say there's a couple that I take a look at are I think the Army game was interesting because obviously that was Jerry's literally first game in coming out party. I mean that was kind of when he introduced himself. I don't know yet on the national stage, but just, you know, to the Villanova fateful mm-hmm. with uh, doubled what it was 24 10 24 12 i mean that was 24 and 13 game. 24 and 13 okay yeah so that was i mean that was a great game and that was um you know a good way to kind of get back into the groove because I, if you remember 20 the 2018 season opener 2018 2019 when we played was it morehead state or morgan state
0: morgan state
1: morgan state was we like we struggled you know we only won by like 12 but it was a close game and that's coming off of the national championship year so this was a great way you know kind of kick off the season kick off the centennial season um so that was a fun game and then i look at the it was it the ohio game where no it was the middle tennessee game where cole, Swider cole game. Teased us so much yes and yeah and then obviously the baylor game i mean even though we lost that game baylor what finished top were they three three or four or two three somewhere they're in the top four they're projected number one seed i mean moving back and forth with them that was a heck of a game um, you know, that was, there's no good losses in sports. I mean, people say that it's it's not true. I mean, if you, you play to win or lose, you played to win the game, so I don't think a good loss, you know, there's obviously teaching points and learning points, but you know, that was a great game that we played. Unfortunately, you know, we did lose, but um, you know, that kind of showed from the get-go, especially coming off the Ohio State game that, you know, this team's for real, this team can score, as opposed to last uh, year where we would literally hold the ball for the whole 30 seconds and probably let the nation shot clock violation, so... You know, that was a really good game to set the pace, even though we did lose, and that was, you know, we're not used to A, losing in November, and B, losing in those, you know, preseason those tournaments. Those
0: tournaments,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was a, it was an odd start to the year, definitely a start that was different from all four years, but, um, you know, those kind of games is, highlight. you know, a highlight.
0: No, definitely, and Baylor finished the year at number five, so a very impressive season from the Baylor Bears. Conrad, which game slash games stood out to you in November?
2: Um, I'd have to go with that army game, just because. All three of us. It was just such a, like nobody
1: starts, nobody's first game. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, no, I was. Just, I didn't know if my computer was making You know, the fan was going off. Oh yeah, that's my problem. Okay.
2: Um, but yeah, it was just the army game with Jeremiah just going off, and nobody really. You don't just jump into being a, as a freshman that first game in college. Usually, it takes a little. Like getting used to time, especially at Villanova, with how it's such a upperclassman-based system, and this year we had to go with with all the underclassmen starting two freshmen most of the year. Um, just the way he started the season and kind of then going into how he was able to continue that and it wasn't just a, a flash in the pan against a not not as great Army team. Um, so that was just that was probably that was the, my favorite game of November.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and that—that's funny. Then that three—three three of us all pick out the Army Villanova game as just the game to remember from November. I mean, I look at it. Yes, they put up ninety-seven points, which is obviously awesome. But the big thing, as Sherwood mentioned, was that they only gave up fifty-four points. And now against Morgan State the year before in the opener, I believe they gave up in like the mid-seventies to a team that yeah. wasn't very good. So that was a big red flag. While Villanova scored again a ton of points in their first game of the season last year. Defense didn't look very pretty. I mean, they held Army to 31% from the field and 23% from deep. And then, of course, as you guys mentioned, the story was Jeremiah Robinson Earl, a freshman from Overland, Kansas, coming in and putting up 24 points and 13 rebounds in his first collegiate game. It was about as dominant as it can get. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for, it would also kind of set the tone for the season, in that Jay Wright started both Justin Moore and Robinson Earl. I believe that was the first time he had started two freshmen in his starting five on opening night since like 2002, 2003. And Wright continued to run with that throughout the season as we saw. So looking back in November, I definitely think that Army game is the one that stands out. And then as Sherwood also mentioned, another game that I would look at is the Baylor game. Because listen, Baylor turned out, as we said, to be a very good uh, team this year. And Nova hung with them through most of it. Baylor pulled away towards the end a little bit to win 87-78. But they were going uh, trading blows and going back and forth. And what was a, a pretty impressive performance against a team that was number one for a while, number two for a while, and finished the season at number five. So I'd say November, I mean, they finished with two losses. The loss to Ohio State was disastrous. Just not a single shot felt like it fell on that day. But otherwise, pretty solid month.
1: Yeah. It was. I think it was. You know, it's yeah. Just it was. It was an odd November month, obviously. But um, yeah, I think it just kind of set up for what we would look at for you know the coming months. That mm-hmm. this, you know, obviously as you said, was a little bit of a touch of a rebuild. You know, kind of it, it had a different feel than last year because last year was a rebuild as well. But um, you know, rebuild where we had where we had a lot of talent and it just had to get our feet you know underneath us and you know coming out of that with two losses isn't a lot of, you know, what happens, a lot of Villanova, but, you know, obviously, as we'll see over the next couple months, we were able to regroup and regroup strong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So moving into December then, I have a feeling we're all going to mention a single uh, December game here, but uh, the games on the slate from that month, LaSalle, Penn, St. Joseph's, Delaware, Kansas, and Xavier. Conrad, you want to start this one off? Sure. I feel like
2: there's just one to pick. Oh, you so think, think so? i take Uh, that was just um, especially how that November went and how early in December went where there was, you kind of struggled against um, it was St. Joe's and then the Delaware, all the LaSalle Penn, St. Joe's, Delaware didn't really go Mm -hmm. Villanova's way. It wasn't, like those are teams that Villanova should just be running through and they didn't and then you saw Kansas come to town and kind of, they were almost unstoppable. Yes, it was an up-down year and they weren't undefeated at the time, I believe, but that team was definitely not even close to the level that uh, this Villanova team had played up to that and just how they were able to stick with it and end up pulling out a win in a game that I don't think even, like us going into that game, nobody really had too much confidence in it, but they were able to somehow pull it off and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the season with knowing if they could beat this number one Kansas at the end of the year turned into be probably the biggest powerhouse that um, this season saw and would have had a really good chance to win the championship this year if it had happened, uh, that they were able to beat them by one at home
1: was was a great game to watch.
0: Absolutely. Sherwood?
1: Yeah, I mean, just very similar. I mean, I take a look at just looking through the schedule was, you know, definitely a lot of games that we should have as comrades that we really should have run through. Uh, but I take a look at two is obviously, you know, the Kansas that was the coming out of our big-time shooter Jermaine Samuels mm. our big-time player uh you know which will be a recurring theme throughout the night but um yeah no that was just a great game that was a very Villanova game that was a game where they played you know above and beyond their years of experience I mean we can probably count on one hand the number of close games like that that Villanova lost I mean obviously one of them was the Baylor game yeah. but I think just even back to any game through the four years. If you look at even starting off with that Purdue game freshman year, think about that 2016. I remember win. that
0: one. Josh and to, Hart.
1: Is it uh, West Lafayette? Is that where Purdue plays? Yeah. So we went in there, won that game, beat Caleb Swanigan. Um, yeah, But and uh, Haas. And Isaac everyone, Haas. But yeah. That was, you know, just if you look at all those games throughout the Big East Tournament through, you know, March Madness tournaments. I always see the Wisconsin game comes out. That was a close one as well. But there's you know, far and few in between that Jay lets those slip away. And he wasn't going to let that slip away. I mean, that was as much playing as it was, you know, coaching and whatnot. So, um, you know, that was just a great game. That was a great coming out party for everyone. Great by Jermaine. And just the other quick note was the Xavier game. I mean, that was our, that was coming off a week and a half rest. I think mm-hmm. close to it was a week and a half, 10 days off. First game of the Big East, how are these guys, you know, going to of that, especially being at home where there's, You know was a home crowd but not a student home crowd and they did well i mean they kind of controlled that whole game up and down even though i think it finished to be a six point game i mean you know that was again you know another reoccurring theme of villanova you know possibly losing you know some uh second half games or you know second half leads but that was a great game to get everyone's you know feet underneath them
0: no I, i would definitely say so and i think conrad really hit it on the head when he said december was a weird month and it really was i mean you think about it At one point, this Villanova team played three games in 21 days, so the schedule, really, really strange, as you were referring to with the Xavier game. I mean, all of the games leading up to Kansas, they didn't play particularly well, but they found a way to win all those big five games and the Delaware game, but you didn't leave any of those games thinking, wow, that was an impressive Villanova performance. And of course the Kansas game is the one to remember from that month. But the other thing is it's not like it was a great game. (laughs) I mean, it finished 56 55 Villanova shot 35% from the field. They just really, they, it was the three ball is what really put Villanova to it. They had 10 threes as compared to Kansas's three and Jermaine Samuels drilled the shot. Gillespie made the huge steal on Dotson to bring him back. And, Villanova comes up with a gigantic win. It ended up being their first win over a number one ranked team in 13 years. And as Conrad said, it was a win over a team that definitely would have been the national championship favorite this month. So it's a it was a huge, huge win for this program, especially because this is now fully on that next generation now after the 2018 team. And then last year was kind of the dying embers of it with booth and pascal still around and then this is that new era of villanova basketball this is their big win this is their marquee matchup and their marquee victory to show wait this is still a pretty good team even though it is different uh the xavier game as well you know always a tough conference game and they always play villanova hard at the pavilion as well um but that's how i look at december um right ready for january Yeah. All right. So we will move as the calendar ticks to 2020. A lot of games in January. As I should say about December, I meant to say before too, Villanova's only perfect month with wins. Yes, they went 2-0 in March, but only two games. Um, So through January, you have Marquette, Creighton, Georgetown, DePaul, UConn, Butler, Providence, St. John's. As we enter Big East play, all of those games will be Big East games next year as UConn will officially join the conference, which is very, very exciting. But, um, all right, which game stood out to you in December? I mean, in January, excuse me.
1: Right, do you want to go first? Sure, I got it. Um, I'll
2: have to go with that. Butler went at home mm. with but- in ranked 13th at the time. Um, It was just such a – the way Butler was playing at that time, I forget. They-, they just came in really hot. Or, no. I just remember Butler at the time looked like a team that was just nobody to mess with. Again, Villanova had went into a kind of a drought with they lost to Marquette early in the month. They barely pulled off a win at Creighton in the next game, and then they played. And then they almost lost to DePaul. DePaul took them to overtime. Mm-hmm. So weren't in a great stretch, wasn't their best form of basketball. But that Butler team, they just, they came in, they dominated that game, whistle to whistle, and just, they, they beat them by 15 against a Butler team that, again, it, that was a game that should have been a lot closer. Thinking of how Butler was playing at the time, but the Villanova team just would not let them into that
1: game at all.
0: Absolutely, sure would.
1: Uh, I would say the Crane game. Um, I think that you know that was you know very similar to like Kansas game where you know good teams win games. I mean you know good programs going to games like that where they're not shooting well. They have a cold night. I mean, we went well, We went like 30 minutes without making a three until Gillespie just thought, you know, hey, let me put this team on my back. And that was kind of the beginning of the 2020 con Gillespie that has the potential to win the 2020-2021 season Big, e, you know, Big East Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. This was really, I want to say it's a coming out party, but for, you know, the new and improved, the, you know, kind of, go, not go-to guy, but that Villanova guard. I mean, we've obviously been extremely spoiled at Villanova going from Arch, to Jalen, you know, to, you know, any any program would love to have Gillespie. We obviously love Gillespie, but um, this was kind of his making up to that notch where, you know, trying to crawl, you know, get up to where those two, um, you know, point guards had left the program. And, you know, that was just a big game, going in a hostile environment, playing poor, you know, being down by eight at halftime, you know, just kind of squeaking that out, especially to, I believe, didn't we lose to Marquette like the, a couple of days before we had lost on yes. The Saturday? Yes, Conrad was and, there. Yeah, so that was so that was a game. You know, that was a huge game, to not kind of get in to you know a little bit of a slump of you know losing two straight. Which I don't know the last time Villanova's done that. Maybe did they do that? I don't know if they did that last February. Year, but, or no, we did it this year. It this year. <laughs> they year. lost
0: three straight uh, this year.
1: Yeah, but you know that's just was kind of a way to again you know just get back to that Villanova brand of basketball and show you know we're a tough you know we're going to be a tough out every <clears throat> single night.
0: Definitely, and so I remember when we did our Big East preview, we talked about most impressive victory, if it was a Seton Hall game or not, and I did say the Creighton game, so of course I have to mention that I think that Villanova win at Creighton was just unbelievably impressive. I mean, they held Creighton, one of the better offenses in the country, to 20% from three, and held Mar- Marcus Zagorowski scoreless from three. To claw that game back, led by Gillespie, was incredibly, uh, incredibly impressive, and then the other game I'll, I'll go to that that wasn't mentioned is the Georgetown game, an eighty to sixty six win over Villanova. And you may say, well, what's special about that? We saw how good Sadiq Bay is in that game, yeah. and that really turned. I mean, Bay had a spectacular season throughout, but especially from this game on, Bay was on another level. So he played thirty seven minutes. Minutes he finished with thirty three points. To go with three assists as well, ten of fifteen from the field. He tied a school record with eight three pointers. He shot eighty percent from three, eight of ten from deep. The team shot fifty-two percent from three. I mean, what a performance that was at home at Wells Fargo to blow out your rival in Georgetown. And that was really Bay's I'm a dominant player um performance from the season. <clears throat>
1: It was. Yeah, no, that was a great
0: game. All right, so we will move into February then, and February is the month where the swoon hit. We have games against Creighton, Butler, Seton Hall, Marquette, Temple, DePaul, Xavier, St. John's, and Providence. Four of those games were losses, including three in a row at the start of the month. What do you look at for February? That,
1: you know, that Marquette one. I mean that Marquette win was, you know, extremely important. That's we talked about, you know, before the sweep before that game happened was that, that was you know, that was you no know, slouch. I mean, obviously a couple of those games were, you know, very tough. You know, Crayon, Butler, Hall, I mean, that's a gauntlet of three straight games, especially with two of them uh no one of them was on one of them was away, but um you know it was a huge game to be able to get get our footing back, especially Marcus Howard we talked about before the biggest tournament, could drop forty in every any given night. And you know it was huge to get back rolling. And then also the other game I take a look at is just you know the Temple game. I mean that just was just showed exactly what the basketball was. Just wrapped up a big five
0: title as well with that game. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, and just you know kind of showed what I think what we were hoping for from the first from the first three big five games that we got in December. And obviously there was that possession where we had you know where gillespie drove the lane, dished it out, and then you know, ended up finding Gillespie thirty seconds later for the, the poetry, poetry in motion guy, but...
0: possession, basically. Pardon me? The poetry in motion possession, so basically.
1: Really, yeah, and that was I my dad and I looked at it and we counted like six or four open shots that they passed up that, you know, was incredible and it's, you know, a good, better, best, phenomenal shot that they ended up, you know, thank goodness Gillespie made that because, you know, now we can see that now we can continue to show that clip because he made it, it would have been tough if he missed that shot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true, Conrad.
1: Uh, I'd have to go with also that Marquette game
2: was just huge to end the skid. Um, They came into the pavilion ranked number 18th, so they were on a little bit of a heater while Villanova was kind of a little bit of a slide. Um, And they were pretty dominant in the game until they tried to give it away with three minutes left. Yes. Um, So they did play really well for the majority of the game, and Marcus Howard just did his best to take it back. Um, But then also games I'd like to touch on was that Butler loss doesn't stick out to me for any of the play in the game, Mm -hmm. but there was a rain delay.
0: There was (laughs) a rain delay in a basketball game.
2: Thanks, Conrad. Just like that was probably one of the strangest things until being a game changer. Until how
0: the season ended.
2: (laughs) Until then, you'd say that probably would have been the wildest part of the season, but it wasn't for the time being a rain delay in an indoor sport. Pretty interesting. And then just the Providence, again, another loss, but... Just it reminds you how good this Big East conference was and how kind of robbed of the opportunity to show that off in the tournament with how good Providence would have been being a pretty low seed in the tournament. You picked
0: Providence to far, win the Big East you know, tournament. The,
2: the end of their end of their kind of in the middle of their run of just beating everybody and anybody in the Big East and just all of the top three teams lost to them, Creighton Puss and uh and Seton Hall. Uh, showing how deep the conference is, and that was a good game to show that, even though it, it was a loss, which is disappointing. But.
0: No, and I think those are definitely fair games to bring up. I, when I think of February, I do think of the losses. The first one that sticks out is the one you mentioned with Butler. Yes, the rain delay, but also how just how great of a game that was, and how Sadiq Bay drills the three pointer with twenty seconds left to tie the game up with Villanova. Villanova had made a pretty furious comeback there even tied up with Butler before Kamar Baldwin went with the lefty step back three to uh, to Barry Villain over there at the end. Like That was just a classic Big East game. Another loss, it's the Providence game, kind of showing that, yes, this is still a young team in that 58-54 to loss at home to Providence. Obviously, Ed Cooley's done an incredible job with Providence. As you said, they finished the season as hot as anyone, and I don't think anyone wanted to play them going into the Big East tournament, um, but... You know, it was a young team that just didn't really show up that day. And Providence made them pay for it. And then the final game that I think of, to put it on a positive note, is the DePaul game, about how much fun that was. That was vintage Villanova out there against DePaul, putting up 91 points, winning 91 to 71. Villanova shot 70% from three. They shot 18 (laughs) of 26 from beyond the arc. I believe they shot 57% uh, from the field as a team. That was 2018 Villanova reincarnated two years later, and that was fun to watch. So, that's February recap, and we move into the final month of the season, which had, as I said, just two games at Seton Hall and at Georgetown. Both of them incredible games. But how do we sum up March? Other than incredibly disappointing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Connor, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean,
2: I'm going to go with... I mean, they're both great games, but I'm going to kind of go with that Georgetown game because of how um, how much it—I mean, it all, both games meant a lot in going to winning a regu- regular season title um, they needed to win both of those games. But that Georgetown game, knowing that all they had to do was beat Georgetown, which looked like an easy-ish task at the end of the day, when they started off, I believe they went on—I think it was almost like 15 nothing to start the game or something. Might like have been
0: that. more than that, too, yeah.
2: yeah. Almost up to maybe 20. But it was just how hot they started and how much it looked like, all right, it was the first day back, like it was the end of spring break, so I remember just being like, all right, this is how it started. All right, we can relax, just enjoy this game. And the second half happens where everything falls apart. Like they just couldn't do anything. Georgetown somehow came back from being down, I believe, double digits at half. Mm -hmm. Then just kind of how we started started this segment with talking about, Jermaine Samuels in that Kansas game, just Jermaine coming up big um, and getting that goaltend and one um, to kind of, to win the game by one point, it's just, it shows how good this team was and how good they can be in the future without the first half was, but again, how young they were and how they almost gave up this lead and almost cost themselves cost a championship off of just poor second half play, which happened throughout the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sherwood, Georgetown, Seton Hall.
1: Um, You know, it's tough because I think that selfishly, I'll probably just say Georgetown as well, just because, you know, baseball conference at the end was important to, you know, that's a game that we should have run away with. That's a game that Brian Slater should have got in the last 60 minutes of the game and logged a lot of minutes. We should have been up by, you know, the 20s at halftime because we did get up to the 14, 15, 16 0. You know, start and that should have been, you know, kind of a coast away to kind of, you know, rest those guys to give them a little bit of a break for, you know, the hopeful what we were of the Thursday first round game, um, especially to just, you know, for us for the senior class is to be able to, you know, obviously won three biggest championship titles or biggest tournament titles mm-hmm. um, during, our you know, only it only went now we only ended up having three. But to be able to grab that, you know, just that little hold of the Big East title, so now we can say every year we were at college, Villanova won some type of Big East title. <clears throat> you know, obviously, you, you play for the National Championship, but selfishly for us three and for the rest of the senior class, to be able to say that, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's just a testament to, you know, how deep this team was for four years and how testament to Jay, testament to everyone else, and then... um yeah, you know, just that Georgetown game should have been should have been the way we played in the first game. We sh- we should have you know run it not ran out the building, but it should have been an easy game, double digit game. You know, Dada in there, Slater in there. You know, get some Justin Moore. Hopefully, get Swire back hot. But instead, it was a grind. And again, you know, Samuels again down low. You know, and standing up. You know, standing up and making that three. And then I forgot who was on defense at the end, but so you know, he- they had very. It was Sadiq again, yeah, and Sadiq had that great defense against Dodson as well, where, mm-hmm. you know, both times the Dodson, I forgot who it was for Georgetown, drove right at, right at his chest, and he just stood straight up, which, you know, he had, you know, from his feet up into the arena, you know, what? I, you know he had his... Um, verticality. You know, his, Ask his, the vertical, Whackman about yeah, it. I, yeah, not the Wack. I, I wasn't looking for verticality, but shout out whack Man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so he had his face to be able to play defense, and he did and both times he forced both games into a tough shot and now you know we're saying here March 26th with um you know what is it it's, it's um six is it six biggest titles with three coming regular season three coming tournament which I mean isn't you no, know isn't too bad not for bad. you know a of kids that went to four years for college also won a national so
0: championship year. in that too
1: yeah for championship yeah. comrade will get another year next year academically <laughs> when he to go back. <laughs> no but um, <laughs> but it's kind of like you know i just take a look at that and again you know it's just especially to it would have been so so sad to like you know lose that game and just have to sit on that and squat on that basically mm-hmm. i don't want to say for the rest of our lives but just during this time be like come on if we could have just won that game we would have had to share the biggest title yeah like that would have just been so frustrating for fans for the players for jay and you know we're able to do it we're able to squeak out and you know now kind of can be considered a co-national champion because we won our last game of the season.
0: That's true. Austin yeah, St. Johns are the co-national yes, yes, champions because that's, that's, they were St. they were <laughs> they were beating Creighton at uh, at halftime of the called off Big East St.
1: John's game. St. should. I would have loved to have seen st john's beat creighton and then still have like everyone be like had we gone to the tournament or done a smaller tournament who would have been and who would have been the automatic seed and it would have been like well it would have been creighton because they were the number one team but they actually just lost in the tournament i would have loved to have seen just that headache of what people would have tried to spin for you know the four hours 12 hours that we had
0: listen i'll put it simply st john's played in the last basketball game of the season and they were winning at halftime, so St. John's is my national champion this year. That okay. is, that's how I'm looking at it. Um, <laughs> but I will go with the Seton Hall game for for my game to remember from March, because of the circumstances of standing in the way of Seton Hall and making sure that they could not win their first outright Big East tournament since um, oh, was it? It was the, either the early 1990s 92. or
1: 92. I, I think
0: 92. you got it. With, I had 88 or 92 in my head. So since 1992. That is a pretty sweet way to, to finish things up in March. I mean, all around, the performances were really spectacular in that game. You had 19 from Samuels. The quietest 19 points you will ever see from a player was yes. Jermaine Samuels in that game. and went 6 of 12 from the field, but went 5 of 6 from the line. Sadiq put up 20. Moore put up 19. Gillespie put up 12. And the big thing was, defensively, I know we broke it all down when we talked about that game a couple weeks ago, but holding Miles Powell to 3 of 10 from beyond the arc is huge, and at 5 of 18 from the field total, and Villanova went in to, to Jersey and beat Seton Hall on the road and stopped them from getting the outright Big East title. And for me, that is a game right there with Kansas that I will always remember from this season. Was taking, was, was taking that one. But all right, that's our that's our wrap up month by month. I I'd say that was pretty solid.
1: Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. All right,
0: yep. all right. Any any final thoughts on games before we move into the awards?
1: Um, I mean, just it's interesting. It's crazy to see how this team went from how they looked against Ohio State to you know how they looked against Seton Hall. It was just you know nine a day difference, and that shout out to the players, shout outs to the coaches, to everyone. So. You know, it's a shame we didn't get the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament, but I mean, you know, there's—I don't know if there's a much better way, you know, obviously besides the national championship, but you know, to end our college careers of watching.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the one way to look at it is um, that a, for our college careers, at least Villanova won the Big East tournament every time it was played mm-hmm. while we were in college, and b, Villanova won their last game of the season, which doesn't yeah. happen very often. With how think about I think how sports I usually work.
1: So, yeah, so that's yeah, that's a fun, fun little fun tidbit.
0: fun tidbits there that we don't need to expand on any further. Just because <laughs> if you think about it too hard, you will understand yeah, exactly. that is talk out a- it. A- a- exactly. Um, and then I I had it down as one of the awards, but let let's just move it. I think it makes more sense to do it here. Give me a word or a phrase that sums up this season of Villanova basketball. We'll say that the story of the season in that way.
1: can i gonna go first.
0: I can go first if you guys need time. You can go first. I will just say exciting. I mean, you look at the baseline for this team and, and what it looks at for next year. I know we're going to touch on the future in a little bit, but, I mean, they finished the season going 7-1 and one down the stretch with that one loss being against the red-hot Providence Friars. Yes, they are most likely going to lose Sadiq Bay to the NBA draft, but you look at next year pretty much everyone else is coming back you're adding Eric Dixon and Caleb Daniels i cannot harp on how big of an addition Caleb Daniels is going to be the guy averaged 17 points a game at Tulane now no he's not going to average 17 at Villanova cuz he just won't see the vo- the have that type of volume at Nova you got 6 15 15 i was like i was like oh only 6 <laughs> um but he's Gonna add to the kind of the coop of guards that that Wright has, and you've got Brian Antoine coming in, who the five-star recruit, you know, that was ranked one spot lower than Jeremiah Robinson, that had his whole season derailed with the shoulder injury. Now, we're gonna get a full summer to be able to train with the team and and be in practice and get ready for day one. So I look at this and I'm excited for next year.
1: Yeah, I would say I would say teaching a new dog, same same old tricks, is that this was a new team and Jay was able to mold this team back to what, um you know, what a Villanova team is, what we, what we knew, you know, for the first two years, what we knew from, you know, the 2015-2016 season. Last year was a little bit different, but, um you know, it's basically, he took a brand new, you know, cast of characters, you no know, seniors, he was able to, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, being able to, you know, get them back to that Villanova State basketball, get back to... You know, whatever on the main line expects whatever one you know now, kind of throughout the whole nation is you know coming to expect from much, coming to expect from us, which is crazy. Just what you said. I mean, this is. I don't think we. I, do we have a recruit sign for next year? No, we do not. But like we're based, in, but we're getting it's, Eric Daniel and the freshman. Uh, Eric Dixon and, and Caleb Daniels. So it's a, pardon me, Caleb. Yeah, we're getting Daniels and Dixon. Pardon me. Um, and obviously Brian Antoine, which will be you know, which you kind of wonder is. You know where's there going to be space on the court and how who's going to touch the ball, but Caleb Daniels is going to be an incredible player and Dixon, you know, has a very you know very similar game to Omar, so it'll be mm-hmm. a lot of fun to be able to you know obviously I think we all watched the 2018 Big East Championship game a couple nights fun. ago and it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to get back you know obviously and we were at that level this year, but um, and ESPN actually just you know ranked us a couple days ago as the as the way too early number one seed which. You know, it was great, and I, but they were playing for both Sadiq and Jeremiah to come back. But, I mean, I love, you know, where the state of Illinois basketball is in, and it's, you know, get me ready, you know, get me to November and get me to, you know, March 2021 so I can see this team compete for, you know, Big East championships and uh, national championship.
0: Yeah. Conrad, what's your story this season?
1: I'd say, word that story into like one word, I'd say growth
2: because it was just yep. kind of what like we were talking about, we've talked about kind of this whole time, is going from that Ohio State loss where they looked absolutely terrible, um, seemed that like they couldn't win, win a true road game in in November or December, um, and then how they, how they finished that year from that Marquette game on, uh, the tear they went on, except for seeing, again, that red-hot Providence team, but really just getting into form at the right time. Um, it's definitely a different season of being having to watch kind of um, Jay Wright teach everything on the fly instead of having four or five starters that were all grizzled veterans, all knew the system really, really well. You kind of had to teach Jeremiah and Justin Moore on the fly. And you kind of, you saw those growing pains and it was tough to watch at times, um, but it just makes you appreciate how, how good this team has been in the past and how good of a coach Jay Wright is, how he's able to get all these guys um, onto the same page by the end of the year and, and tuned up right for when. I mean, most of these guys are playing for just March, basically, um, and they're they, they were ready to go. But, um,
1: yeah, there's
2: a big of growth and really it makes next year exciting to see just the ads that have been in this for for a year just having court time. Um, they will definitely pay off in um, Villanova's favor next year.
0: Yeah, I would say so. And as we said, like looking forward to next year. That this was a good year for Villanova basketball. There's there's no way to uh, to write it off. As we said, this was a young team going into the year, and they finished with a share of the Big East regular season title. So I mean, there's not much more you can ask for uh, for that. And projected to be anywhere from basically a, a two to a four uh, come come the NCAA tournament. So a, a very impressive season. But all right, so we're gonna move into a fun part of it. Then we're gonna hand out some hardware for this Villanova team, and we are going to start with our most improved player. Now, you can take that any way you want it, but who this year was the most improved player?
1: Hmm. All right, do you want to go first?
2: Uh, you can. I need to figure out some stuff for the live stream.
0: Um, no problem. I can take I would... it if you need a second.
1: Uh, you can go first if you want
0: to. All right. I don't. right. I'm not going to take a guy that I think people would initially think at but I am going to go with Colin Gillespie as your most improved guy. Yeah. Oh, you are going to go Gillespie. Just yeah. how he morphed into a leader. I mean, we can both go in with Gillespie Gillespie then. Um he morphed into the leader of this team and the, the true point guard and you know, he really impressed me cuz those first I mean, the first season you don't put too much into at all. He was just a freshman. Last year again understudy to Phil Booth. I wasn't sure if he was really a point guard. Coming into this coming into this season, this year, I think he absolutely proved that he's the right guy to lead the offense. I mean, his assists jumped up from two point eight to four point five. His scoring went from eleven to fifteen. He's incredibly efficient, shooting over forty percent, thirty-six percent from the field, eighty-two percent from the foul line. He's a good rebounder at four four rebounds per game. And add in the intangibles and just, you know, taking the keys to J. Ride's offense and doing a really good job leading it gillespie is my guy for most improved i was really really impressed with him this season
1: yeah i was gonna say gillespie so um i'll take justin more i'll say you know from where he started you know to kind of being a late signee uh i don't know if it was a late signee pardon me that was sadique was the late mm-hmm. signee but uh, you know kind of being i don't want to say the forgotten recruit but everyone obviously all the hype was on brian and jeremiah so to come in there and where you said to start day one or not day one but to start the first game was incredible and end up becoming the third um Third highest score on the team this year, which is incredible. And just kind of where, um, you know, he did have a couple of tough games, um, you know, during that losing stretch, but then just the way he played against Seton Hall was he just kind of had that killer instinct in his mm-hmm. eye. I mean, he would touch the ball and wouldn't, you know, hoist up the shot just to put it up because he had the open shot, but it was because he was confident. There was a couple of times in the that'd be in the second half, and it was like, what are you doing, Justin? Like, you know, there's 25 seconds left in the shot clock and he would dribble down and just pop and square up. But, I mean, he would drain him and just be able to see where he – I don't even – you know, he even started off the season incredible, but just to see where he ended is awesome. And if it weren't for just Jeremiah just tearing apart the Big East, I mean, we're looking at the Big East freshman of the year.
0: Definitely. All
2: right. Um, So I'll just give five-one that I really want to say. And um, I want to say Jermaine because I love Jermaine, mm-hmm. and he has taken a big step um, in being a more consistent scorer for this team, and his defense has always been there. But I'm actually going to go with probably even maybe more shocking what you guys have gone with. I'm going with Sadiq.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that um, works.
2: Because Sadiq, so he's he increased his field goal percentage only by two points, but he increases three-point um, percentage by by 8 points, his free throw percentage by 12 points. Those his are big jumps. To 2.5. His points doubled from 8 to 16.
0: Doubled his points.
2: And that's, and his, the points and assists both doubled. Um, And then he still, on the defensive end, stayed with, um, he increased in rebounds by less less, less than a board, but his blocks stayed the same, his steals stayed the same. Like he was able to maintain everything that he did well on the defensive end while taking those jumps offensively. Um, and really making him into a prospect that maybe start off as a fringe first round guy, where now I think almost everybody agrees that he's a he's a lock for the first round, probably top, top fifteen, top twenty, I think we could say. And how just how especially towards the end of the year, how many scouts were coming just to see him? I think he made like a big jump offensively, that it caught up to how he played defense, and then. Um, and this is all coming in with all the ex- expectations we had for him. We thought he was going to be the best player on this team. We thought he was going to have to carry the team. And uh, at least for me, he outperformed even my wildest expectations for him.
0: Yeah, it was an in- incredible season from Sadiq Bay, And absolutely, he works as most improved. Because like you said, just reading off the stats from his freshman year to his sophomore year, it was a huge jump and incredibly impressive. Best defender on this Villanova team. I will go with the guy that you just mentioned and Sadiq Bey. Uh, honorable mention to Brandon Slater, by the way, because I love how Slater plays defense and he does a great job at tracking back at knocking balls away. When teams are in transition, Slater does an awesome job trailing and knocking them away. He's got a presence inside where he's able to use his length and block shots. I love Slater, but Sadiq Bay is definitely the best defender on this team in my mind I mean, you just look at it and the confidence that Jay Wright had in Bay to be able to really move him around and match him up with the opponent's best scorer for a lot of it. I mean, the one that I think of a lot is when he was, as Sherwood mentioned earlier, was when he was on Devon Dotson and just shadowed him. Dotson much smaller, much quicker, but Bay really was able to hang with him. for for a lot of that game, and and caused some tough shots with his length. I mean, he guarded some of the toughest guys in the Big East, from Kamar Baldwin to Marcus Howard to Miles Powell, on and on and on. And he did it really well, and he's just so tough to get around. He doesn't foul people. He uses his length, and just a very, very impressive defender.
1: Yeah, no, I'll go with that, too. I think that going off that dot, you know, obviously I look at the Dodson play at the end, and I look at – I don't know – again, I don't remember who – Drove on him in Georgetown for the potential game-winning shot, but he was right there. And also, you know what you said, his honorable mention to Slater and also to Justin Moore, Justin Moore, Mm -hmm. guard, Marcus Howard, and Miles Powell. I mean, they, especially with a with a freshman going up against two seniors, two seniors that averaged over twenty points. I mean, yeah, he they did put up you know around their average numbers, but he did play really good defense on them, and they didn't drop that you know thirty-five points, just that back-breaking you know, hey, they just can't be stopped, and it's just, you know, every time down the court. So, um, you know, just piggybacking on what you said is, you know, honorable mention to uh, Justin Moore.
2: Yeah, I'd have to go with also, I mean, Sadiq, obviously, um, for what he does on the defensive end is amazing. But then trying to give back Jermaine Samuels. Mm
0: -hmm. He absolutely deserves mention in this.
2: The way he's able to consistently bring that, even like that's where he he starts on the defensive end, and that's what he brings to this team. Not only individually, like he might not get, he does get matched up on the top guys once that he's like off the court. He does get trusted to do that, but also as a leader of that defense, since there was no, like, you would think it'd be like a big guy, like if um, Demir had gotten more time and had taken the step we all thought he was going to take, he would have been the leader of that defense, but Jermaine kind of stepped into that role as a upperclassman leader on the team, and he was really able to kind of help those young guys and Jeremiah and Justin Moore just get acquainted to this defense and figure it out. I think Jermaine is a big reason why this team came together so quickly on the defensive end and was able to um, go back to kind of good old Villanova basketball with that that defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Samuels, as I said, completely deserves mention, um, at least in some way with this award, as he's a, a very very solid defender. Now, most disappointing for Villanova, there are a couple options here for for most disappointing. Which one? Uh, which one are you guys going with?
1: Um, player or moment or what?
0: Whichever one you want. If you want to take a moment, go for it.
1: I'll say probably you know just the um you know, beginning of the year. Just you know I know we talked about that it was growing, but just you know not to be able to win that you know tournament against Baylor was that was a disappointing loss. I think that that was a game that we led most of the first half or basically the whole first half. The second half was neck and neck. I think we, what, we hadn't lost a game in November, well, a game since 2014, hadn't lost a tournament since, I believe, 2012, which is quite quite crazy. So it would have been a great way to be able to, you know, kind of slide back in, get back in the group. So that was, um, you know, in a season that was filled with great moments was, you know, most disappointing in my eyes. Um, so I'm going to go with a player. I think there's two, two or
2: three that actually really stand out.
0: Yep, I agree.
2: I'm going to go with Demir, crosby Roundtree, just because as a junior, as a guy that's stepping into with Jermaine and with Colin, both Colin and Jermaine were able to take those steps and really grew into those leadership roles on the team. We were able to piggyback those leadership roles with good, good play on the court. Where Demir, well, I think from everything that I saw, seemed like he was a very good leader for this team, especially how he would lead guys. Basically, I think he led most of the team through like the warm-ups and everything, which is a really big thing. And I think that shows how much like the guys respect him. Um, and I think he did a good, good job at that, but just he wasn't able to get on the floor because his offense wasn't there and he wasn't doing enough on defense to get the playing time that at this point he should have with nobody older than him and really no big guy. Besides um, Jeremiah, that was able to do kind of the same things he was um, inside, um, and I was really hoping for him to take that step because I really think that would have put this team on another level to have a true inside presence with a with a shot blocker that I think Demir had the had the physical skills to become or to grow in, and he just he just didn't take that step, and it was just really disappointing because not only can almost took a step back from last year. Um, which I was not expecting and really hope that maybe next year he can learn from that.
0: No, that that's definitely a fair fair way to point look at it as well. I expected more from Kazurantri as well, especially with him being a junior alongside Gillespie and Samuels. Um, he, As you said, he means a lot to the team. The guys love him, and I think he's got really good locker room presence for him. But I did think he'd have more of an impact to play this year. But my mist- most disappointing, especially with how it started, goes to Cole Swider for what I think Swider could have been. I mean, looking at his starts of the season, the first 4 or first 4 out of 6 games, he had double digit points including 18 against Army and then his career high 26 against Middle Tennessee State when he could not miss. In 2020, so from January through March, he hit double digits twice. And that was 14 against Marquette on their first game of 2020 and 11 against St. John's in a blowout win at Madison Square Garden. It just it wasn't good enough. From Swider in year two, a fully healthy year, um, he shows flashes that he can do it and that he can hit from deep. But the defense, while it was better than last year, which thank God because last year it was it was not pretty, it's he still seems to get lost very easily, especially in transition and especially any times he's going up against a more traditional big man where he has to play in the post and inside. He really really struggles anytime that happens and he just doesn't have the quickness so you're really hoping that swider this summer can continue to get quicker be more consistent on offense because he saw a pretty heavy minutes decrease towards the end of the season and justin moore definitely saw his minutes go up and i mean if you're looking at next year as we talked about with daniels and dixon joining the squad i mean swider's in danger of of losing even more minutes with new guys coming in, so I, it'll be an interesting thing to follow there. But yeah, I just I expected more out of him this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, next one we'll hit most underrated.
1: It's a good question. Um, I'd say Justin Moore. That's I would God. say, um, you know, obviously he. Um, what I just said a couple minutes ago was he's the he's the third highest scorer this year. Um, he didn't win the Big East. Um, rookie year, which obviously makes sense, but Mm -hmm. he was, he played, you know, years above his, you know, he played mature basketball. He played years above what he was and, you know, was able to, um, you know, go out there and help break the press, was able to start games, was able to also spell Colin to be able to get in there to give him a little bit of rest which, you know, didn't happen often, obviously, because Gillespie, what he averaged, probably averaged like 37 and a half minutes or something close to that. So, um, Gillespie averaged 34. So, yeah, he was able to go out there and, you know, give him a little bit of a break. But that was, you know, mentally important to get it going like that, especially after, you know, kind of going from Phil Booth to, you know, no one knew what was going to happen.
0: Conrad?
2: So this is... It's interesting. I'm going to go with Colin, actually. Yeah? Just because I think with how well Tadiq was playing um, and how well Justin Moore and Jeremiah were playing as freshmen, I think in this like national stage, and the Big East stage, I think all three of those guys kind of covered up how well and how consistent Colin was. I think it gets overlooked a little bit how consistent Colin was and it was able to set up the guys, run the offense, and be a true point guard when we are saying earlier, Wednesday you're not knowing if he was gonna be able to build that role. Thought he might have been more of an like a guard. But just how he was able to step into that role and be the consistent leader on the floor for this team, I think it's a little overlooked because Sadiq had just a ridiculous season and Jeremiah came in and played like no freshman we would ever seen.
0: Yeah. No, obviously we talked about Gillespie before, and I I completely agree with you. And then I'm going to go with the guy that you've been mentioning, Jermaine Samuels, as most underrated. Just with the role that he plays on this team, he is so key to how Villanova functions. Defensively, he's great, and he's like Bay, where he switches all over the floor, picking up different matchups and making life hard for opponents. But, I mean, he averaged almost 11 points per game this year. We saw a nice increase in that. 10 points in his free throw percentage. He just continues to come up and hit big shots, especially as we saw this season. I mean, you had Kansas, UConn, and Georgetown, all game-clinching or game-winning shots from Samuels. And like I said, he's just really turned into an integral part of how Villanova functions. And and because of that, I, I think he has to be most underrated for me because he's just a key cog for how J. Wright does things.
1: No,
0: uh, that's a great point. Yeah, best shooter. Does anyone disagree that it's Sadiq Bay? No. it's got to be Bay. Just on, on Bay quickly, and you guys can jump in if you want to add something here too. Anytime he got or he had a catch and shoot opportunity where there was a little bit of space, it was basically automatic. I mean, the guy just didn't miss from three when you gave him space and he was able to catch and shoot and he also showed the ability to create his own shot a little bit too especially as the season um went on where he's able to create some space step back and, and hit some jumpers but anything to add there with bay that's kind of why i just glossed over it pretty quick
1: um i would just say two is just you know his a big time shot maker i look at two three pointers one was against butler again you said catch and shoot he knocked down, I believe, two in the final minute, and he also knocked down a huge one against Georgetown when we were down poor coming on the timeout to put that game within one to get a defensive stop to set up, or two points to get the defense to stop. You know, obviously set up the end one with Samuel. So, you know, big time moments he was able to step up with the shot as well.
2: Yeah. If you just look like, at the catch, that's why he shot 45% from three this year, which is just, that's insane out of a guy that was known as a defensive stopper.
0: Yep. Into- yep. Yeah, no, definitely. Best finisher, which I think is a fun one because there could be a couple options here with this one. I'm all ready to go. And Conrad already Conrad already knows who I'm going with. I'm going with Justin Moore. Like, the kid's a freshman. How silky smooth he is in the lane with all the different dribble penetration moves that he would go to and all the different types of finishes where he contorts his body I think, Sherwood, you put it perfectly when you said he plays mature basketball. He slows things down. You never see more playing at some crazy fast pace where he loses control. He always looks like he's gliding and coasting. And it is so impressive for a kid to come in here from Maryland to be that impressive from the get-go. And to come out and, like I said, just be able to finish at the rim whenever he gets there. No, it wasn't with Thunder. It's not like he was dunking on everyone. But his ability to finish through contact, as I said, contort his body and come up with all these different dribble penetration moves, incredibly, incredibly impressive. I mean, you look at the season Moore had. I I could probably do a whole show on a Justin Moore in review. Um, I mean, he started with 39 points over 54 minutes against North Carolina in that secret scrimmage, I put in quotation marks. Um, When I interviewed him early in the year, uh, some quotes for him, just put me out there and I'll find a way and I meet any challenge, I came here to play. That's coming from a freshman that had yet to step on the floor and was the third-rated freshman behind Robinson Earl and Antoine. I mean, I could not have been more impressed with Justin Moore this season, and for me, he's the best finisher on the team.
1: Yeah, I'd say the same way. I think that he was, remind me a little, brought back a little bit of kind of what Jalen would do, you know, in the paint with uh, you know, shimmy shakes a little bit. He was very good finisher. I think that especially through contact, through contact, and he was able to go on and beat his man off the dribble, and he was able to take on the big as well, which is important. He didn't shy away from contact. He didn't, um, you know, dribble in and you know try to dump it off to you know the big or try to you know kick it out for a three. Is he saw blood and he went, you know, he saw and would go to the tin, and you know a lot of times got fouled, a lot of times made the end one, and a lot of times you know would finish. And it wasn't even just circus shots that he was putting in. I mean, he was just going hard and was just, you know, fighting through
2: contact and was finishing a lot. All right, so This is a little boring. I'm going to pick him too.
0: But it has to be, right?
2: Just, right the way he gets to the hole is just so... It's just like... It's, it's,
0: it's just beautiful.
2: Yes, it is. It's just... It's artwork when he goes in and just how he's able to, like you said, contort your body, his body around anybody. Like, yes, there's more, like, Sadiq can can finish over everybody if he did. um, Posters, he'd be the number one guy. Mm -hmm. But just with how he's able to kind of, no matter what, Justin's able to kind of get the ball just somehow into the hoop, whether it's a layup, whether it's a dunk. um, And it's just, it's pretty when it works. And it works so much for this team.
0: This is a pro Justin Moore podcast, and it will stay that way forever. Because, God, I'm so excited for Justin Moore's future. Mm
1: -hmm. He's going to be the next... Guard. He's gonna be the next, you know, great Jalen Brunson, you know, archetype guard.
0: You hope he can reach that height, which is hard because I mean, think about it. Arch got his, his jersey retired, and Brunson won <laughs> national player of the year, so, and we'll have his jersey retired.
1: National player in the tournament, and then talking about the Naismith Player of the
0: Year. Yeah, so. yeah, you, <laughs> some some tough standards to live up to, <laughs> but.
1: Two out of the probably three or four best guards that ever went through the program. Oh,
0: uh, without a, a doubt. Um, yeah like
1: outside of randy foy and uh kyle lowry but it's just carrie yeah, kittles you know and that, and that's the thing about gillespie is it's like gillespie's phenomenal gillespie's an gillespie is player. phenomenal it, it just think about the shoes that uh, even looking at phil booth look at everything phil booth accomplished like the two national championships remember that photo from nova nation where it was just had all his trophies yes yeah, so
0: that was a very like, cool picture
1: that was one of the coolest photos ever but just think about like You know, those guards that played him. And Josh Hart. Josh Hart was drafted in the first round.
0: Oh, yeah, that guy.
1: Yeah. Like, the forgotten, not even forgotten, but it's like, think about all the great guards that Jay has had. And then Gillespie. If Gillespie came before them, I would be like, oh, my gosh, you know, Gillespie's, you know, the best guard ever to come through Villanova. And now it's like, I don't want to say ho-hum, but it's like, there's just, it's so tough when you have just these incredible players. When you get a great player, it's, you know, it's, you
0: know, it's it's tough. No, it, it is. And the other thing I remember, Mike Nardi as well under Jay uh, yeah. was fantastic. Alan Ray just got his jersey retired. He was a guard um, here at Villanova. Um, there have been so many, <laughs> so many guards, especially if you only, even if you only go back the last 20, 30 years, throwing Kerry Kittles into it as well. Um, Villanova has been fantastic for that. Two more awards. The two really fun ones left. Moment of the season and most valuable player. What is your moment of the season? For me, I think it's pretty clear cut, but we'll see if you guys agree.
1: I will say, seen all game. I know that's a little bit different, but.
0: No, that um, were, I laid out the reasons before. That's a fair yeah, answer.
1: I think two ways. I think it's the most memorable. One was, you know, we're all on spring break, which was a lot of fun. Nice. I mean, if we would have been, you know, a college would have been fun, but. I just, you know, it was a little bit of a different atmosphere, and it was kind of fun to look forward to to put something on the calendar for when we were down in the fort, but just kind of like holding down the you fort. Know, yeah, yeah, holding down the fort. Just, you know, Seton Hall had a, it reminded me just of the Geico commercial where it's like, you know, the dollar bill, and it's like, oh, you're so close, you almost got it, you almost got it. No, and it's just, every, it's like Seton Hall was that close, and all I had to do was, I don't even want to, like, knock off Nova. Not on an off year, but just on a year where a little bit of a rebuilding year, and it's like talk about you know just possibly a changing of guard or slaying the giant to beat Villanova at home on Senior Day to win the biggest title. And Nova just said, you know, not so fast. This is
0: a our today. conference. Yep. No, I agree. they they did not slay the giant. That was that's yeah. what all. That's what Seton Hall had to do. They had to they had to finally get over the hump, and they were not able to that day.
2: All right, I'm gonna go with. uh, when Jermaine hit the shot against Kansas. Same. Uh, I mean, just one, I mean, obviously it's come across like I love Jermaine and just having him be able to be the guy that steps up in those moments Um, just I think goes off how hard he works and how much he means to that team and what he's able to do for that. And that just, well, that, that's the moment that I remember going back to and I'm like, okay, this, this team has a chance to maybe do something. Like all before that it kinda was like I don't know if you guys felt the same way, I was like, Oh no. It is a rebuilding year. This is not how I want the senior year our senior year, to go out watching this team play. Like when they're coming to the pavilion against the Big East team. They're gonna get run out of the gym by a couple of these guys and then they just beginning of break, it was it was a student crowd there, but it wasn't like the normal student crowd because it was break. It wasn't a pavilion it was at this Big, big arena, arena that you get. You still get a home crowd, but it's not, not the same. And just Jermaine was able to just, just put that game away and and show that while he might be underrated, he he still means a lot to this team.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that that's my moment of the season as well. Just the the electricity in the air there, like you said, it's not the same crowd as what would normally be though. A decent amount of students did stay for it, but it got loud in that building when that shot fell and when gillespie made the steal as well on Dotson, which i don't want that to be forgotten because that was just the massive turning point in it because kansas was about to put that game away with Dotson handling the ball and then Dotson just started to kind of waltz on over towards center court and gillespie picked his pocket and then (laughs) euro step finish under him that he must have learned from jalen um and, and then you go to the shot from samuels where again gillespie just took a pick And Samuels was standing there at the three-point line, and he drilled it. And and that was your, as we said before, your marquee win. And that's what I think about. And the funny thing is, fast forward a month, and Samuels hits the exact same shot against UConn from the exact same spot, which, again, I think makes that moment even cooler. But as I said before for, like, the December game with Kansas – um, that's just the moment of the season is Jermaine Samuels. I mean, his teammates call him big game main, and I think there's kind of a reason for it. As we're seeing, he always seems to pop up in these late-game situations and come through. So that that's my moment of the season. And then finally, your Villanova most valuable player.
1: Is it going to be unanimous?
0: It's going to be unanimous. It has to be, unless Conrad wants to... No I one. Don't
2: think
0: I'm really Come good. on, Conrad. Hey, Come friends. on. Come on. Brian Antoine. Brian Antoine.
1: <laughs> Baby, Arch.
0: Baby, Baby Arch. Arch. Baby Arch. Baby Arch played twenty minutes this season.
2: <laughs> more than I thought he was gonna get.
0: Honestly, me too. <laughs> Alright.
2: Well we're gonna go with Sadiq,
0: right? Sadiq Bey is your Villanova most valuable player. I mean, <laughs> what more is there to say about this guy? I literally laugh as I think about it. He had one of the most ridiculous seasons you can possibly have, and shame on everyone that voted for All America that he was an honorable mention and didn't make. I, I, if you want to make the argument that he's not first team because he wanted to throw Pal Howard on there, you know Luke Garza had the amazing year, um, it, it, obviously Obi Toppin, um, but man, to not get second or third team kind of stung because Bay was incredible as conrad laid out the the field goal percentage is just uh, there i don't have another word to to use to describe it the dumbest part of his season he shot over 45 percent from beyond the arc he he's not a spot-up shooter that just stands in the corner and drills threes and yet anytime he got it he knocked it down at a high clip he carried villanova he dragged them whenever they needed help he was an unbelievable defender for them Sadiq Bay is so easily your most valuable player, and he will be a first-round pick if he leaves this season. The hope is just that he comes back for for one more year, which I, I don't think will happen, but just what more is there to say about Sadiq Bay?
1: And it wasn't, he wasn't, you know, his field goal percentage was high, too, and he wasn't just a post player. I mean, he no. would a lot of times would take elbow shots and would, yeah, just, especially, too, being the late signee, being kind of forgotten a little bit last year. You know, coming in, possibly redshirt, and now to, you know, see this two years later, you know, a year and a half later since the season started is, you know, incredible. It would have been, you know, a lot of fun to see him, you know, put in postseason basketball, so hopefully we get that shot next year.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's anything to add. He just had an absolutely ridiculous season and just, you thought it was going to come down at some point, and it just it he just never did. He was... Like shoot again, shooting 45% from beyond the arc when you're one, one of the, the primary scorer for this team. Two, not just a sh- um, spot up shooter and carrying the offense. Like that's just unheard of. And then, yeah, he's he's able to do it on both ends too. Like you don't see guys that are that efficient on offense and and do the same thing on the defensive end. Like you can see Marcus Howard, he's averaging like 30 points, but on the defensive end, he's a liability. And mm-hmm. Sadiq's the complete opposite of that. He was able to dominate both sides of the court and it's just yeah, it was amazing to watch and I hope he gets drafted by a team next year so he doesn't go through the hell that probably Mikael's going through in Phoenix. Hey,
0: <laughs> remember he was a 76er. Yeah. Before their cold hearted chat, tra- Man, that trade Zaire Smith for Mikael Bridges how's that working out right now? Bridges is turning yeah. into a pretty decent pro in Phoenix. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah, that would, absolutely is a mistake. But but on Bay, just to kind of show you the numbers for it, I mean, we've talked about the field goal percentage. As, as Conrad said, like, this is the leading scoring option for the team, too. This wasn't a guy that was taking two shots a game and just happened to finish at, you know, 45% from deep. He shot 175 threes and finished at 45%. He shot 367 field goals and finished at 48% from the field. That's crazy. It's just nuts about the season that Bay had. And, oh, yeah, he was second on the team in minutes, only a couple minutes behind Colin Gillespie. He only had 46 turnovers. And he had the ball in his hand for a lot of it. 46 turnovers in 1,051 minutes. Just...
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: what a season out of Sadiq Bay. So that wraps up our awards. We are pretty much almost done here as we did to basically talk about the future outlook already. So one bit of news from Villanova that came out uh, a couple days ago was that as we've kind of mentioned a little bit, Sadiq Bay and Jeremiah robinson both will test the NBA draft process. Now, that's not going to be the same process as we're used to. As, you know, with all of the coronavirus concerns that are out there, we're not sure how the pre-draft process is really going to work with things like the combine and interviews and private workouts. So we'll have to see how that kind of evolves over time. But what's our gut feeling for how this thing turns out?
1: I think kind of what we've said is, Sadiq Levy and, and Jeremiah coming back I think Jeremiah would really benefit from one more year how good is the draft class going to be next year Pat how good is like the incoming freshman class I, the
0: I there definitely some decent talents coming in it'll be better than the class this year but if you're telling me Robinson Earl gets I mean Robinson Earl right now would be at best a End of the first round. This is at best end of the first round, most likely somewhere in the second round. And even listen, would have the potential to go undrafted. I don't think there's a guarantee Jeremiah gets drafted this year. If you give him an extra year here now, I, I, I think he can definitely solidify himself as a first round pick.
1: I think he's a lottery pick if he says one more year. I think he's a lottery and could be possibly top 10. So I think that, especially to you know, look at what Amari did during the tournament during that season. I think if he can just continue to develop that three point shot that he did toward the end of the year. That's what I and, was going to say. Yeah, and just puts a little bit more weight on, you know, gets a little, bit, and weight just gets puts more muscle on. I mean, this guy could be, especially with his size, with his ball handling, with his ability to, you know, kind of take guys off the dribble, you know, kind of more, you know, kind of more than what a typical big man can do. I mean, the sky's the limit for him.
0: Yeah, definitely, Conrad.
1: Um, I think Sadiq's definitely gone.
2: And for some, I have a feeling that Jeremiah's not coming back.
0: It wouldn't shock me.
2: Uh, when, yeah. I just like how well he played this year, with getting, um, just really just racking up the double doubles. Like I think he would benefit a lot from coming back. But I think you're going to see him go. I mean, like you said, there's a chance he goes undrafted. Just of, like once you're in that late first round, second round, like teams just take just shoot at anything like if you're just an athletic guy you'll get drafted so you don't know if like his skills will become apparent at that um, but i think i think he's good enough to go a late first round this year um the only thing that might bring him back is who knows how this process is going to go mm-hmm. um, who really knows with how the ncaa works and how the draft process is most likely going to be postponed especially if the nba season picks up really Really late. What are they going to do with the draft and all that stuff? Um, I could see there's a possibility that there's no real like how it has been in the past. Where you're able to enter the draft combine or whatever. You're allowed to get in as long as you don't get an agent or whatever. The the very confusing rules are. i have a feeling they they might not have as much time with actual NBA talent yeah. to make this decision. So I could see that lead to him just making the the safe decision coming back, but. I could also see that pushing him very much to be just like, I'm confident in myself. I've heard certain things saying, I'll go late first round and just leave. But I think he's more affected by this whole up in the air, the coronavirus, than Sadiq is. I think Sadiq was gone no matter what.
0: Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I, I definitely think that, that Bay is going to go here just because he listen, he's done everything he's needed to solidify himself as a first-round pick and really creep towards the lottery um, on Robinson Earl. I lean towards he comes back and I actually think that all of this delay plays in Villanova's favor because I, f- I think that they're going to have a lot of their workouts canceled and things like that. And I think now Robinson would have really had the opportunity to impress people at the combine and these workouts to show off his athleticism. And if that gets canceled in any way, and all of this has to be done virtually, I think that'll hurt him and make him come back for the extra year. I still think that there is a chance he leaves. I mean, he showed how impressive he can be. He's young, which is what NBA teams love. They love to draft young. Uh, He's athletic. He has shown he's already a much better rebounder than his years would uh, make you think as such a young kid. Um, I do think that the extra year would be a huge benefit to him, especially working on that three-point shot and being able to show that as well as just kind of filling out a little more and then being a little bit better of a defender with a little bit quicker feet, I think he can solidify himself as a mid-first-round pick to back-end lottery. Absolutely, if he comes back for an extra year or so. My gut tells me Bay's gone, Robinson Earl returns. Don't be shocked, though, if Jeremiah goes as well, because think about it. As we said before, Jay did not bring in a single recruit. So would it really surprise you that much if two went out for the next two guys and Daniels and Dixon to come in? The math kind of works out on that for two guys to go and two guys to, to come in. Um, but we'll see how that ends up turning out.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. I mean, that that's everything on the show sheet that we wanted to get through. Is there is there anything else you wanted to kind of wrap up this Villanova season with?
1: It was, uh, you know, interesting year. It was a good year to have. You know, interesting for our senior year. But, yeah. Um you know, tough ending with, uh, you know, not schedule-wise, but, you know, it's been, was, you know, a good year. It was a typical over year. Conrad? Yeah, it was just, I mean, it sucks not to be
2: able to see what this team would have done in the tournament, So I think they would have had a really good ch- chance, especially how, I mean, we were talking about the Big East preview, um, how we were just talking with all their experience in close games. That would have been fun to see how that plays out. Um and I think they gained a lot of experience in that wise, but it's just a great season to watch watch this team grow and watch these young players get a lot better. Um, and really makes you very excited for next year to see see what can happen with that.
0: De- definitely. And I, I think this is one of the better jobs that Jay Wright has done throughout his tenure here at Villanova and obviously he's been amazing. He's the Villanova's all time leader in wins. And he's got two national championships to his name. But just going in with where the expectations were the season, where everything was up in the air, playing without a scholarship senior, just how young and inexperienced this team was. And as I said, to finish with a share of the Big East regular season title, have a chance to win Big East tournament yet again, as well as being a highly ranked team in March Madness. And depending on the draw, could have gone on some type of run. I mean, th- this is a, a great, great season for Villanova. Again, it's going to continue to raise the profile and that they're going to churn out another first-round pick and another guy going to the NBA in Sadiq Bay. So that's going to continue to help with recruiting. And as I said, I could not be more excited for this team next season, especially if Robinson Earl returns and then you add Dixon and Daniels. This team is rearing and ready to go for next year and will be a national title contender. So could not have asked for more from this Villanova team from this year.
1: Yeah. No, it was great. And just what he said is next year, I think was I think, uh, probably a couple of years ago is we, we pegged it, I think that, that next year once we get everyone, a little bit of experience is going to be back to, you know, the old you know, the old Villanova team of 2018 2016 with seniors with just loads of scoring, loads of death.
0: Yeah, it, it's going to be exciting. But all right, so that's, that's our show. Um, we will be back at some point next week. For some type of topic, we already have some things off the, off the top of our head that I think would lead to a pretty fun show for next week. But, but we'll confirm it here as we continue to move towards the NFL draft. Uh, as I said, you can follow us on Instagram round underscore tripper23. Conrad does a wonderful job there with the live stream. How how the arms feeling after holding up the phone for an hour?
2: They're getting sore. Getting sore. I have, I have hands, like it's 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 a.
1: It's
0: a long show. It is a long show. Listen, at least you ate dinner this time beforehand.
1: Thank you for your service, Conrad. Yeah. What, what did you say, for It's a thank you for your service.
0: Oh, you're welcome. What? <laughs> what
2: do you think I said? <laughs> I had... I had... I
0: exactly all right so that'll do it then for our final villanova season in review wrap up for jack sherwood and conrad bayer i'm pat saying thank you so much for listening we'll be back at some point next week this is roundtripper on 89.1 wxvu go cats